Welcome. We are glad you have chosen to join us here on Brit David Podcast. Today, Pastor Tim shares a message from 1 Thessalonians 13 through 18, entitled, The Rapture of the Church. Pastor Tim states, the next event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. There are no other prophecies waiting to be fulfilled, which means we should expect it at any moment. For some, that is a scary proposition. But when we turn to God's Word, we discover that studying the rapture is encouraging and comforting. Here's Pastor Tim. I hope you have your Bible. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Last week, as we were taking that sneak peek kind of into the throne room of heaven, just kind of mentioned as we were going through that about the rapture. And, uh, and as kind of as Sunday sort of went along and talking to people and, and early into the week, um, I decided we probably need to take some time and talk about that, you know, the rapture itself. There's some folks that don't like to talk about the rapture. They, they don't like to talk about it because it seems scary to them. Uh, maybe it seems more idealistic, like maybe this is something that's not real. You know, I think that you'll see in the passage today uh, that it's as real as anything else that you'll ever find anywhere in the Scriptures. Now, is it mysterious? Yes. Is it puzzling? <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh, John, uh, uh, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, And tells them, behold, I tell you a mystery. So this is something that's a mystery. Now the rest of this verse sounds more like something that belongs in the nursery, church nursery, than it does in the rapture. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. (laughs) I feel like that's what ought to be above the nursery in there, you know. But he's not talking about dozing. He's not talking about diapers. He is talking about... Those who have passed on, those who have died without Christ, or with Christ, and he says, there'll be some who, when the Lord comes back, they will not have died yet. And he says, we will be changed, we'll be transformed to be made fit for eternity. As we've talked these last few weeks about heaven, new heaven and a new earth, it's a different kind of place, isn't it? There's no sunlight I mean, there's no sun, there is no uh, sea. There's so many things that are different in that new creation than what we are familiar with, and our bodies have to be different. The bodies that you have are not designed to live for eternity. That's why we wear glasses. That's why we have hip problems. That's why we have the different issues that we have. Your bodies are not made for that, but you have to have one that's made for that, and God will ensure bring that about. As we get started today, I want you to look with me, first of all, in verse number 17. If you're there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 17. He says, then we who are alive and remain shall be, notice these two words, caught up. We will be caught up. That's where we get our word rapture. If, uh, you know, it, in, the, in the Latin, that word is rapturo, that means caught up, and that's where we get our word rapture from. If you were to turn in your concordance and try to look up the word rapture, you're probably not going to find it in your Bible because it's not used that way. Instead, it's just the description of that, of being caught up, snatched away, seized, if you will, that God takes us immediately, and we do get to see that time and time again. 
So I guess the best place for us to start, I've got four things I want to share with you out of this passage today. And the first is just simply the admission that for many, this is a puzzle. It is a puzzle, but what I want you to see in the passage today is that the puzzle for the rapture is solved. It's solved. You know, when, uh, when the Bible writes and says this is a mystery, that is true. It is puzzling. There are a number of things that we don't understand or know about that. But you know, if you were, um, if you were working through a puzzle book, you know, maybe you have a, a crossword puzzle or, or a word search and you get stuck somewhere, I know what you do when nobody's looking, <laughs> right? You turn to where? To the back of the book. What are you looking for in the back of the book? You're looking for answers, right? We just turn to the back of the book, and that's where we find our answers. He has provided for us everything that we need to know about the rapture of the church. And so Paul writes this passage to the people in Thessalonica, I think primarily for two reasons. Number one, he writes it to be enlightening. He writes it to be enlightening. Look, if you will, in verse number 13. He says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be misinformed. I want you to hear and to know the truth. Now, one of the background things that you need to know about the book of of Thessalonians is in the church at Thessalonica, some false teachers had come in and given them something that they presented as truth that wasn't truth And they were greatly bothered by it. This is it. I think you would be bothered by it. They were being taught that if a person died, even if they believed in Christ, that that's just it. That's all there is to it. And so if Jesus comes back in the rapture, and you've already died, sorry, (laughs) too bad. Should have taken better care of yourself. You know, you you, you should have been here. You, you, you got to be present to win, you know, so to speak. That's not true at all. And so Paul enlightens them or teaches them truth. And you'll see it here in just a minute. Those who have died are not going to miss out on anything. In fact, they get to go first. And so he is encouraging them greatly. Can you imagine being taught or, being, or having thought all your life that one of these days I'm going to get to see my mom again? One of these days, I'm going to get to see my grandparents again. One of these days, I'm going to get to see my child again. Only to have somebody come in and say, no, you're not. You're not going to see them. You're not going to know them. That's gone. That's over with. They've missed it. You need truth. Truth that comes from the Scriptures. Truth is what is enlightening. And truth is what is encouraging. And that's the second reason I think that Paul writes this. Number one, he writes it to be enlightening. But secondly, he writes it to be encouraging to them. If they were were as down as I can imagine that they were, thinking that they have somehow missed out or their loved ones have somehow missed out, that it is encouraging to read what we're going to read today. In fact, look at the end of verse number 13. After he says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren concerning those who have fallen asleep. Now, he's not talking about you in church. (laughs) You know, he's talking about those who have died, right? And specifically, those who've died knowing Christ. 
concerning those who have fallen asleep or those who have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. So certainly we sorrow when a loved one passes, even when a believer passes. There is sorrow in our heart that we will miss them. But we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. Paul even says that to the Ephesians as well. So when it comes to this idea of the rapture happening and those that have died, those who have, who, who have known Christ and they've died, I don't have to lose heart. I can be encouraged in that. I can have hope in that. Knowing that they will experience heaven itself and that I'll get to see them again. In fact, look at the last verse of this chapter, verse number 18. He says, therefore... Remember, what's the therefore, therefore? The therefore always points back to what's previously been said. So as he's been talking about the rapture, he says, because of the rapture, comfort or encourage one another with these words. These words are not designed to be frightful. These words are not designed to be scary. These, these, these words are not to hinder you. These words are to help you. These words are to give you hope. These words are to give you great encouragement. So mysteries are scary, aren't they? If you don't know what's coming. But we know what's coming, don't we? You ever watch a scary movie? You watch that scary movie and... Some, 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 yep, that happened. Somebody jumps up out at you, you know. I got her good with that one. Now, the second time you watch it, you're ready for it, right? Listen, we've read through this now. We're ready. When the Lord comes back, we are ready because the puzzle's been solved. Number two, I want you to see the participants. The participants in the rapture are the saved. So who's going to be there? Those who are saved. Anybody. Everybody that's been saved. Now, there are specifically two groups of people that are mentioned in this rapture passage. Look at verse number 14. He says, for if we, all right, let me stop there. We are obviously, he's talking, it's Paul and he's talking to a real audience, isn't he? He's talking about those who are alive. So then does that mean then that it's everybody that's alive, everybody that's alive in Paul's day? No, he qualifies it, doesn't he? Let's keep reading. He says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So who's he talking about? He's talking about believers. He's talking about believers who are present. That's your first group. Believers who are present. There are believers who are still alive, like Paul, like his readers, now, you may look at that and say, well, then Paul doesn't know what he's talking about, does he? I mean, if he thinks that he's going to be alive when Jesus comes back, Jesus ain't come back. Paul didn't know what he was saying. No, the reality is, is that Jesus told him he didn't know when it's coming. So just to simply be ready, right? So Paul said, I'm probably going to be in that group. You and I look at it and we say, we're probably in that group. We're probably going to be in the group that's alive and remains. Why? Because we look at the world that we're in and we say, how in the world could he not come back right now, right? We who are alive and remain. Let me tell you why, it's, why it works that way, the way that it does. Do you remember the parable that Jesus told about the ten virgins? 
Remember this one? Okay. Ten virgins, there are five that are wise, there are five that are unwise. <clears throat> the point is, is that the groom is coming for his bride, and these virgins are the friends of the bride, and they are going to accompany the bride as she makes her way back to the groom's house, to their new house, so to speak. Okay? So five of them are wise in that their oil is already in their, in their lamp. I mean, what if, the, what if the bridegroom comes in the middle of the night? This means they're ready. There are five other virgins that were foolish. They just thought, well, when he gets here, we'll, you know, we'll stop at the gas station and we'll fill up then. No, that's not the way it works, and they weren't ready. Let me give you the background of that. In that first century, a wedding is not exactly like the weddings that we have today. doesn't happen in one day. <laughs> it happens over a course of a period of time. When that bride and groom are betrothed to one another, we may say engaged, but that proper word is there, to be betrothed. The woman, the bride-to-be, will stay at home. She stays at home with mom and dad, right? The groom, what's he doing? He's getting things ready. He's getting the house ready. He's getting the job ready. He's getting the finances ready. He's getting the logistics ready. He's getting everything ready to bring a bride home to his house. Now that groom has a full year from the day that they are betrothed to one day, I mean to, for, to, until one year of that day to go get his bride. Doesn't matter when, he's just got that time frame that's there. Now some of them, man, they're excited and they're ready, you know? As soon as she says yes, he says, I got things ready. Come on, let's go, you know? And then there's some that kind of drag their feet a little bit. You know, they use that whole year to get everything ready. There's some of them on day 364. They're thinking, isn't there something I'm supposed to do today? You know, they got to get things ready. But really, it could be any time in the midst of that, period. The groom is going to make his way from this place that he has prepared for his bride, and he's going to go get her and bring her to this new home. It's a picture of the rapture, isn't it? What Jesus has gone to prepare for us in a moment, at any time, he returns for his bride, the church, and brings her then to this place that he says that he has gone to prepare for them. So some of the believers who are present at the coming of the Lord will be those who are there. But that's not the only group, is it? There's a second group. Not only believers who are present, but believers who have passed. Look at the end of verse number 14. He says, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus, those who've died. God's going to come get them himself. Well, that's an important point, isn't it? As you begin to read into that next verse or down in verse number 16, for the Lord himself will do this. He's not sending an angel after you. He, he's, not, he's not sending a fiery chariot after you. He's not, he's not sending an envoy after you. He's not calling simply after you. He is coming to get you himself. You know, if you were at home and, uh, you know, dad's, lay, dad's sitting in the recliner and the kid's laying on the couch 
and he says, hey, go get your mother. You know what the kid does, right? Mama, daddy wants you. <laughs> they don't move, they just holler for you, right? And he's thinking, I could go do that myself. That's what Jesus is doing. He's not hollering at you. He let somebody else holler after you. He is coming to get you. He's coming to get believers who are present. He is coming to get believers who have passed. All right? So those are the participants. What an encouragement to know that the rapture of the church is not to be confusing, but comforting as believers. Join us tomorrow as we continue to look at the rapture of the church and God's process and purpose stated in Scripture. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.